Welcome to the July 2022 episode of the And Now for Something Completely Machinima podcast. Um, today we're a team of three again. I'm Tracy Harwood and I'm joined um, by Damien Valentine. Hello. And Phil Rice. How's it going? Cool. Um, Ricky has unfortunately um, decided that he simply must finish Elden Ring. Uh, and so we're looking forward to hearing that he's actually achieved that next month. Um, so he sends his apologies. Um, uh, not really. Um, first, let's actually start with an apology for the, the false start we had on last month's uh, news. Um, a couple of our keener viewers noted that we hit a copyright issue that blocked the release of the news episode within seconds of it going live. And to give you a flavour of the conversation between us, me... Um, saying to Damien, I think you've used someone's music. Damien saying, no, it's that clip of Star Trek Stranger Things that's been blocked. Cool. So even though we were trying to report on something in a positive way, the YouTube genie basically X'd us out, um, to which point I would suggest let's roll on artificial general intelligence um, come the day. Uh, so there you go. Let's crack straight on with the show then. We've had some fabulous feedback again um, from our viewers, which um, we'd like to share. First of all, from uh, 3D Chick on episode 38, um, which was our news episode. Um, she says, on our discussion of the price of new versions of iClone and Character Creator 4, she agrees that some of the older users are angry and swearing not to upgrade. Um, a couple of nice things, she says, though. You can run through both versions on separate computers, so you could be working on things on your laptop, but then move to desktop for other parts, which is super nice. Uh, and last of all, you could get both for free if you spend $800 in the content store, which she used to buy export versions of a lot of assets that she actually wanted in any event. Um, she gets that people are upset, especially if you don't want to ever export anything, um, but she does uh, make a pretty good point, which is that um, uh, she says it's kind of worth it in the long run, even for hobbyists, um, because it's less than a couple of weekends skiing. I think that's a pretty good point. But these days, actually, probably what that just means is that, you know, you don't have to uh, get in your car for a couple of hours uh, and drive around because fuel is going through the roof. Um, yeah. Al Scotch also said on the same episode, it's unfortunate character creator with text to speech and English language visemes for lips, tongue and teeth is not a separate product. Um, he's yet to find a demo of that capability. So if we find one um, or if we create one ourselves, um, can we let him know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I use that feature all the time in uh, iClone. Did you? Um, so crazy happy... talk. Not, not crazy talk. It's um what's they call it oh mm -hmm. i can't remember there's a plugin that it comes with it and um you load in your file your sound file and you can put in the text and it is so good at predicting the lip movements so you can you can have a, a it within seconds so you can have accurate lip sync and you can choose different uh how expressive you want the mouth to be so if you if you're a character to whisper then the lips will move a little bit or if you want them to be yelling you can set that and the, the mouth will be going really over the top uh and it's almost instant and you can refine it too if you're not quite happy with the results so um i use it all the time with uh, air to the empire now and it saves me so much time but it's not standalone ah uh, no it, it comes it, with with iclone 
it comes with iCloud, but because it's a feature of iCloud, you can't just use it separately. Yeah. Yeah, I think what, he, what he's saying is if there's a separate um, thing out there. Yeah. You don't know of any then, Phil? No, I'm trying to wrap my head around like how standalone in what way? Like something that would work with other programs or? or... Maybe. But you can, if you've got, a, you can animate your character with that in iClone and have all the lip sync. So when you set that, you can export that animation to whatever right. platform you want to use. So you don't really need a separate tool because you still need something to have the character model in. Maybe that answers yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so Maybe so. Let us know if we've answered your question. And if we haven't, because we haven't quite understood it, please let us know and we will come back to it next month and hopefully give you some better answers. Absolutely. I, I think the other thing he says, probably we've already lost him actually. The other <laughs> thing he says, he's more likely to listen to us if our videos were less than 15 minutes. And I don't think we've ever achieved that as individuals, let alone as a team. <laughs> I think so, that would be quite a challenge. I think that would be a, too much of a challenge for us. Anyway, then. Well, on uh, that note, that's all for today, folks. <laughs> yeah, bye. Thank you very much. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, see you next week. Um, yeah, short, short form's tough. Uh, it, it's really tough hard for this it? kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what we try and do is we, we chunk it up and we put timestamps on it so that you can jump between things that you're particularly interested in. So we do try and manage the fact that we go on a bit. Sure. Um, now, another piece of feedback from Spentaneous, who was the creator or is the creator of Damien's Pick Lost in Space series last week, last month even, episode 39, our film's um, episode last month. Um, says, thank you very much for trying out the Lost in Space series. Toll put so much work and effort into it. It was wonderful to see what parts we all enjoyed. Um, and I'd say, you're very welcome. Uh, we loved watching that one. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Mike Clements has come back to us again, um, very much enjoying our critique generally, and says, it makes me so happy you'll dive deep into these pieces and really appreciate them. Uh, even if Ricky tears into a few. That just makes me even more curious about what you would say about my film. Well, we, we really do look forward to seeing your film um, at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, Circu Virtue, I think I've pronounced that correctly, also on episode 39 says, very in interesting selection of movies and discussion. Now I have to watch some, all of them in detail. That's awesome. We have created a playlist for the season of films, although some of the ones we refer to are actually only on Vimeo, like, um, for example, um, David Blandy's films um, that we reviewed. Um, uh, so the best way to sort of uh, find the links for those is actually go to our blog um, rather than on the YouTube channel. And then Not A Gamer 3D on the same episode said, one day I will be featured here. <laughs> And we hope so too. Yeah. Um, nice. We certainly enjoy reading your feedback. So do keep that coming. It makes us feel as though we're not alone in this uh, vast YouTube universe. Um, did you guys have any feedback you wanted to comment on from anything you've seen? No. Or you not on no, I'm just I'm just happy there's there's that much feedback. This it's nice, nice to hear uh, hear from people who listen. Absolutely, yeah. and I and I'm and I must say. What, I'm, what we're getting is emails, we're getting um, comments um, through Twitter, on the YouTube channel, and actually on the Discord server as well, which is great. 
So however you want to get in touch, you're very welcome to. Yeah, please keep sending it in because we, we like to hear it. Absolutely. Let's um, let's go into the news then. Um, and I think let's start with you, Damien. I think you've got a couple of really interesting stories for us. Um, yeah. So, so the first thing is something that I had no idea even existed, which I guess is why it's news. Um, one of my friends has been streaming all through the pandemic, playing various horror games and um They've been doing it with their webcam in the corner so we can see them playing and reacting to the audience and chatting the way you'd expect from streamers to do. But they've decided to create this separate account because um, their main account is for horror games and they, they want to play other games, but they don't want the um, algorithms to mess up because they're playing something different. And they called it VTubing. So instead of showing themselves on the webcam, what they do is they have this animated character and they are using the webcam to control the character as they play. So it responds to what they do. So if they're tilting their head like this, then the animated character will tilt with it. Um, and I asked them about how this actually works because I obviously wants to know a bit more about it before I started talking about it. And apparently it's a quite popular thing for streamers to create these animated characters and there's a whole sort of market for people who are um, digital artists to create these characters. And they do it so that it's sort of like traditional animation where there's a head and then arms are in different pieces and then there's the body and then the face has all different pieces in it. So it can all in move and uh, respond to the person doing it. So even like the, the eyebrows can go up and down when the facial expressions can change based on what the person playing is actually doing in front of their camera and on top of that um, my understanding is that a lot of these people they don't just act themselves they kind of create this whole personality which is part of you know to match the character design they've come up with um, a lot of it is 2d animation but apparently there are some 3d uh, animated characters as well and I thought well even if it's 2d or 3d this is real-time animation being performed live um, uh, over the internet and so it's kind of like a, a live broadcast machinima and I'd never heard of this before but as soon as I um, talked to my friend about it and they started doing it um, a few weeks ago and I've been watching some of their streams and it's quite interesting just to see what, how their character does things I thought this is something that uh, I thought I should share here on the show because uh, it's such an unusual thing to come across hmm. but yeah there's an app over on Steam called FaceRig um, and it's actually the second such program that, that these developers have released. I can't remember what the first one was called. Very uh, relatively inexpensive. Um, and it basically will, you know, 3D render and you can choose from, I don't know, I want to say there's maybe about a dozen characters uh, to choose from that I saw. Some of them are, are very, you know, cartoon looking. Uh, um, and there's one in particular that, you know, looks like this, like, like an old man from, uh, I don't know, the late 1800s or something. I mean, it's just, mm. it's this very distinct, you know, as far as the style of beard and everything, it looks like a, uh, like, like something that one of the U.S. presidents would have in their portrait in the mm. post-Civil War era or something. And, and yeah, it will do that. It, it creates a virtual camera that you can then position on your screen and whatever movements you do and to some degree your facial expression and it will live puppeteer that through this character, through your choice of backgrounds. I want to say when I picked up FaceRig, it was 
maybe 15 bucks or something. I mean, it's one of those kind of like uh, nightmare puppeteer. That's just, just very inexpensive. Um, pretty decent system requirements involved for it. Cause it is, you know, actual it's machinima. I mean, it's 3d rendering, but I've seen uh, some streamers. There's some, there's some streamers out there that do, the genre that they do is called scam baiting. And basically they will, you know, these, these fake call centers, uh, you know, trying, you know, with fake tech support or, you know, running different scams mm. that, that, you know, try to get people to call them. They'll deliberately call up these centers and tie them up and waste their time and, and do all that <laughs> for this audience to watch. And they're, it's twofold. First of all, it's entertaining because a lot of these guys, these guys and gals are very funny. And so they'll, they'll say absurd things. And this call center person has no idea what to react to that. But the other thing too, is it's, it's, it's revealing how these scams work. You know, it's mm -hmm. educational so that you know what, what to look out for and, and, uh, and what they're actually up to, what they're trying to do, how these schemes work. Well, there's, some of them are just known, their faces are known. Maybe they use a, a pseudonym of some kind but some of them are really privacy conscious. So they will use face rig or something like that, or something like what you were describing, Damien, where it's this, it's this animated character. Um, all, and it's basically designed to protect their identity. Cause honestly, these, the people behind these scam call centers, they're not nice people mm. and they have more connections than you would think in Europe and United States because they're moving money around They're They're, they're, I mean, it's organized crime essentially. Mm -hmm. So some of them rightfully, the, the ones who are poking the bear, um, they, they don't want their real identity known. And this is a tool that they use for that. It's pretty interesting. So mm -hmm. I don't know if face rig is one of the ones that, that your guys are, uh, your friends are using or not, or if this is some other method, but it is a neat, uh, it's a pretty neat development and, and absolutely it's machinima. It's live puppeteering of a digital character, yeah. 2d or 3d. I and, think uh, the software my friend uses, cause when they start streaming, it shows up on steam. Um, they've started, okay. I believe it's called uh VTuber studio or something along those lines. Oh, okay. I've heard of that. I've not, I've not messed with it, but I've heard of that. Okay. Cause yeah. they need it for their 2d characters. It's kind of this dragon looking creature. Yeah. Um, and I guess the face has its own built-in characters, but my friend wanted to create their own character and they had this very specific idea of how they wanted it to look. So they approached an artist who then came back to them with, with the, sure. the various pieces. Yeah. I'm sure that there's probably a spec published somewhere for exactly how to rig a model for that use. So yeah, yeah that, that would be the ultimate for that. I mean, if you just get face rig and use one of their stock characters, that's neat and everything. But if you wanted to, truly be uh, kind of an identity stamp. Yeah, you'd want to get one custom made. And with the whole gig economy that there is now with Fiverr and places like that, uh, even if you don't know someone who knows how to do that, you can hire someone for amazingly low money um, compared to what you would think it would cost to do these custom characters and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a neat development. Mm. I so, guess that's uh, coming down the road anyway, isn't it? The fact yeah. that you can have your own face wear to yeah, attempt to I gotta, protect your identity on. I got to think that's part of what 
uh, Zuckerberg is working on for uh, Meta. Yeah. You know, for for that whole thing. I mean, ultimately, the metaverse is is yeah, it's about animating an avatar. So yeah, this these are just I think different manifestations of that mm-hmm. that same tech. It's 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 interesting. I was to try it out for myself that the, the um, not the VTuber thing, but the face rig, but uh, wearing glasses makes that tricky because it does glasses <laughs> mess it up. Yeah, because yeah. it's trying to map on the fly through your webcam. It's trying yeah. to map to your face. And yeah, it doesn't it doesn't contend well with reflections, especially I've noticed the same thing. And the eyebrows as well, doing just at the same, almost the same level as top of my glasses, which if you're watching, you can see me doing it with my finger. Um, sure. It's very hard to do that because well <laughs> especially if your glasses like that as well and your, your eyebrows are kind of obscured yeah i've tried taking off my glasses to, to help mitigate some of those effects but then the avatar keeps squinting <laughs> so it's, you know it's just you have the same problem you have yeah. to be a certain age to do this sort of stuff i yeah. guess yeah or wear contacts right. or wear contacts that's right actually the first time i tried to take my glasses off to do it i was trying to press the button to uh, on my mouse to try and start but I couldn't see where the mouse cursor was on the screen. <laughs> but then you're like, where's my glasses? Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're me, good, if you're, if you're really me, it's, where are my glasses? Where? I yeah. 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 Oh, dear. The okay. joys of aging, folks. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Have you got another piece for us? Um, or are you- yeah, it's... Um, it's not really Machinera it's exactly, but it's a new feature for Vimeo, which I thought might be interesting for storytellers. And it's interactive video. And what it reminds me of is sort of the early to mid 90s of the interact- interactive movie video games where you get sort of live action video sequences and you mm-hmm. have to click on a choice and you get, you, you know, you get a choice of maybe two or three different things and it would play a different video depending on what you do. And it's mm-hmm. like a, an interactive story you get that way. But now you can do the same thing with Vimeo. So you could have your branching storyline. You can make hmm. your make the videos with Machinima, uh, and you have to create the whole thing. And then you can now you, uh, Vimeo now supports that as a feature. So um, it's not something I've looked too closely at, but it brought back memories of those old games. And I thought, well, it might be an interesting way to try um, storytelling. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd, I'd mention that uh, briefly and. Uh, see what people come up with with it imagine it's yeah, quite an interesting, interesting challenge because you have to when you most of us um when we're making our machine film we know the beginning the middle and the end but if you're doing interactive you have to have all these different branches and make sure mm. that they all lead somewhere because you don't want to have it and suddenly stop because you haven't made it all the way it's like writing one of those uh choose your own adventure books that were popular in the the 80s and early 90s as well yeah yeah, that's a, that's quite a challenge to do that. I think. I, it sounds more like an art sort of attempt, you know, sort of more more the sort of thing that artists might play with rather than machinima creators. Do you think? Maybe it depends on what kind of story you want to to tell. I mean, um, when was I, that I would... launched? Any when when was it launched, Damien? Do you, do you um, know? I don't know the specific date, but it was, it was quite recently. A few like the last few weeks maybe about a month ago okay um it popped up on my newsfeed I thought, oh that's interesting mm. i must admit I've, I've missed that one i didn't see that one come through but it oh, sounds okay. fascinating yeah it's one of those things that 
maybe I'll do a couple of short videos and mm. just to experiment with it as a as a test. But I don't think I'd want to do something that people spend hours on because you have to do you can't just do an hour long video. You have to do your many many video. hours of yeah video it's yeah about ten hours to do a one hour story or something like that right. But mm. you know, for a few short minutes, it might be fun to do. Okay, great. And anything else? Yeah, one last thing. Um, it's something that Ricky sent along. I, um, I thought I would have a. I've mentioned it since he's not here. It's um, the Milan Film Festival. Uh, they do. They kind of showcase some of the videos they've been looking at, and um, this, this one that uh, Ricky sent along. It was about um, the situation in the Ukraine at the moment. And it's a video, I don't know which game it was used for it, but it's someone walking through a forest and it's narrated uh, by text um, by someone telling the journey. And I thought this was actually someone talking about the story of how they went through, but apparently it's the story that something that happened before uh, in the past. I haven't read the whole history, so I, I'm being very vague about it because I don't know it, all the details. But it's a, someone who left the Ukraine many years ago uh, in a, a crisis situation, and they've taken the, the words and updated it to apply to what's happening now, uh, mm. and all the people who are having to flee what's happening now, and how similar that person's journey was to what they're going through at the moment. And I had actually been wondering when people might start using machinima to talk about their feelings about what's happening in Ukraine. Mm. I realize that people in Ukraine probably aren't making machinima because they've got more immediate concerns than mm. expressing yeah, themselves artistically. But, you know, it's, machinima does give people a, a platform to quickly create things and express We've seen it before, like the, the French democracy and, and mm. films like that. Um, so it's interesting to see something that's happening in the real world is, uh, coming over to machinima and this video was made yes fascinating and you know when um, alex made the french democracy for example he was he was making it as events were unfolding there mm. um, as a way to um highlight some of the issues that were going on mm -hmm. um in, in, in a which was interestingly was in a language that he didn't actually speak very well so that was that was also part of his strategy in using um the movies for that particular project so it was you know i think there are there's roles for games um which this kind of thing really um you know can can be used quite well for um telling a wider audience what's actually going on without going into too much of the graphic detail of it so to speak yeah and there is no graphic the whole video is just someone walking through a forest there's no mm -hmm. There's no war scenes or anything like that. It's just walking through, there's text narrating the story uh, and it's very powerful. And one of the things I noticed was as they're walking through, most of the time they're walking towards the sun, which I don't know if it's a deliberate choice, but it kind of gave the impression of walking towards the light out of a bad, dark situation. Mm. And I don't know if that's a deliberate choice, but it's something that um, struck me. I think they have to turn around when they get to the edge of the maps or parts of the terrain where they can't um, actually climb over it, but they kind of go keep going back towards the sun where they can. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Okay, shall I um, talk yeah, about that's some all of my news? For this news. I've got quite a lot again. <laughs> you always um, do. <laughs> I collect. 
um, and then I like to sort of reflect. Uh, and what I'm, I'm going to do again is reflect on some of the legal things that I've picked up again this month. Okay. Um, just a, a bit of an update on some of the competition things, a few of the tech things actually, which linked some of the things you've already been talking about. Um, and um, a couple of um, project things, which I think are quite interesting as well. Uh, so legals. Now, uh, since he's not here, I feel I can talk about this without him getting angry about it. Um, <laughs> so you may be aware that Henry the Red is now a playable character in Evil Dead the game. Um, and you might well ask, why are we discussing this? And more especially, why are we discussing this when the main man whom we are commenting on is actually not here to share his thoughts. Well, um, for those of you who are not aware, Ricky played Duke Henry the Red in the film Army of Darkness, which was released in 1992. And I'll put um, the link to his IMDb profile in the show notes so you can check it out. And I was really intrigued in the development of his character into a game asset, which actually looks and behaves exactly like Ricky's character from the original film. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know how his portrayal was being recognised in the game and whether his original contract covered the use of the character into this kind of new digital format. And of course, the answers were no, it isn't. And no, it didn't. Um, now, uh, Ricky said that it's only the higher level actors that get rights nailed down by high paid agents, lawyers and managers. He's received no royalties for 3D models of his character or any uh, games with his character. He mentioned that the Screen Actors Guild is a tool of the major studios, but overall the union is conservative and avoids taking on the major studios over big things, which frankly, I think this kind of thing is. Now, only last month, if you remember, we talked about Star Citizen attempting to lock down digital representations of various big-named actors in their game uh, spin-off, um, Squadron 42, presumably in order to try and protect any misrepresentation of their characters um, by content creators, or in fact, any representation at all by content creators. Um, now, clearly there are lawyers at the back of that, but I have to say, I'm pretty overall disgusted to hear what Ricky said. Um, given the exact, and I do mean exact, replication of his character in the game from the film. Now, of course, when contracts were signed back in 92, who would have foreseen how films and games are now merging? I, I guess a, a question um, that is being tested at the moment is that of um, what, uh, basically what transformation means um, based on the other legal case I mentioned last month, um, which was to do with the estate of Prince um, versus Warhol. And uh, we've got no answers on that yet, of course. Um, but I do believe it's high time that IP relating to all contributions to creative works, including game, of course, are recognised, particularly for living people. Um, I've no doubt the studio that licensed Ricky, Ricky's um, character is making something um, from its use. Um, so I say, you know, they need to come on here and step up to the plate. If platforms like YouTube can take off videos in seconds with an AI because of a couple of scenes playing in the background from a TV show that is actually being reviewed, then I'm pretty sure that attributing IP to individuals who help make content in the first place is achievable in computer games. And that's a comment for you too, Mr. Tim Willits of Sabre Interactive. 
um, who ironically, um, guys, he came from uh, id Software as um, the studio director and level designer. So th that's uh, Doom and uh, the origins of Machinima. It's not even as if the content here has been transformed in its character in its characterizations. It's an exact digital replica using the same character looks, movement and all right down to the detail of Ricky's beard. I guess we'll see over time what the creators do with Ricky's character in machinima terms. And I dare say he'll be as supportive as he always is uh, um, of indie filmmakers in the process. But the issue of who creates what where creative stuff comes from and how it is attributed, um, which we all know has proven to be really problematic in the past, I think is becoming much clearer now, not least because AIs are helping to identify and match sources. And clearly the next big challenge here has to be how creatives are fairly dealt with by the very many stakeholders, an increasing number of those um, organizations uh, and I do believe that the day will come sooner than we probably think as ethical behavior in the creative and cultural industries becomes a mantra that all are having to adopt. I should add here that these are my opinions and not Ricky's. Um, and I'll also preface um, some, some of um, my comments here too, because uh, neither are we sponsored in any way by any brand or any platform advertising. Did you want to comment on any of that, Uper? Um, yeah, because I have I've, I've seen the picture of Henry the Red in the in the game. I haven't played the game. Uh, my friend I was talking about um, earlier has played the game. Uh, it's one of the, their streams, but I didn't see Henry the Red in it because I didn't realize at the time Henry the Red was in was in it. I thought it was just the characters from the first film. Uh, but I, I digress from that because that's, that's not really that important. Um, one of the things I noticed looking at the picture was it's not just, it'd be very easy to have a character that wore Henry the Red's costume and then just get kind of gave him a generic face. Um, because Star Trek Online has done that when they've had characters that are meant from the TV shows and films in the game, but they don't strictly have permission from the actors to use their appearance. They'll kind of give them a sort of generic appearance like, um, I'm trying to think, I can't think of anyone offhand, but let's say you had Captain Picard, you would given the uniform, but he didn't look like Patrick Stewart. He would be a bald man with a pointed nose like Patrick Stewart has, but he, he doesn't look for like a realistic representation of him. He's just kind of, you know, it is, but even though it doesn't really look like him. Mm. Um, and then sometimes they get some of the voice actors to reprise their roles for this, for the game. And then they would make the character actually look like them. But when that, that character has been present in the game before, it had it just like a generic very rough representation of them and then they'd update it when the actor gave their okay with it. So I was surprised um, to see this Henry the Red character and he looks like Ricky. It's mm -hmm. not just it's not just someone wearing the clothes and having red hair and then just like a generic face. It is it's obviously not a scan of Ricky's face, but they've obviously put a lot of effort into trying to recreate Ricky's head shape and, and face um, as much as they could mm -hmm. uh, to match the style of the game. And I was really surprised by that, given yeah. that what I've seen in other games do. And I guess now a lot of companies want to try and make recognizable characters look like you expect them to based on the film, even if they don't necessarily approach the actor, um, like in this case, Ricky, um, 
about it. Mm. Do you want to comment, Phil? Yeah, it's it's an interesting subject because uh, it just makes you think like, okay, first of all, I'm 100% in Camp Ricky. Ricky's my longtime friend, 20 plus years. I want him to get everything he's entitled to. Yeah. Um, that should go without saying. So I'll, I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I guess, and just trying to understand. Uh, so let's say that somebody wanted to, this may not be a fair comparison because the character I'm going to mention is, is iconic and the actor is a major dude. But if somebody wanted to create a video game and have a representation of Michael Corleone, so who created that character? Like who, who actually created that character? Is, is, it, is it Al Pacino? Is it the costumer and makeup artist for Al Pacino during that movie? Is it Francis Ford Coppola, the director? Is it Mario Puzo, the author of the novel? You know, I mean, arguably there would be no on-screen portrayal of Michael Corleone if, if Puzo hadn't written his novel and described physically you know, what this guy looked like and how he behaved to some degree. And I'm sure that influenced Pacino's approach to it and the way that he was directed and all that. So it's a convoluted mess, really. Mm. Um, but it doesn't take anything away from the fact that if you create something that looks like Al Pacino's portrayal of Michael Corleone in The Godfather, you're going to recognize, I mean, it's going to look like him. If Or otherwise, you're going to go, who's that? That's mm. not Marco Corleone, you know? So, and thinking about it with Ricky's character, we, we talked about the beard, which is very, it's iconic, you know, it's, it's very unique. It's, it's mm. someone who knows it would know that's the character, even just from that, even if they didn't get anything else about his bone structure, right. But who actually chose that beard? You know, did, did Ricky show up and that was his beard and they said, oh, that looks good. Let's use that. Or was it the, you know, the, the costumer who, who, someone designed that and that was what he wore for the the show and so it's yeah it's it's i think what ends up happening is that the the big money in movies that ricky alludes to when he talks about sag and how all those things work they use that convoluted nature of how a character comes to be on the screen they use it as an excuse to to cut out people like ricky yeah. from credit that they would they would list all those things and go well if we have to credit you for using your likeness in the movie and we're not saying it's richard grove we're saying it's duke henry the red so then we also what have to write royalty checks to whoever did your makeup and styled your hair and you know uh the director of the film and and your co-stars and you know they, they use that as an excuse okay, so it's hard. That doesn't mean it's not right. That doesn't mean that, that there shouldn't be compensation and that that character wouldn't look like that character if it wasn't Ricky who had been playing it. So I don't know. I, I, I you know, emotionally, my heart is very much in feeling like trying to get inside Ricky's mind, seeing this happen, you know, what is it, 30 years now? 
yeah. after the film came out. And now someone else is profiting uh, off of his likeness without so much as a phone call or an email to see if he's all right with it. Maybe he would, knowing Ricky, he would have probably not thought about the money part at all and would have just said, you know what? I'm flattered. Go ahead. Thanks for asking me. He would have just been, it would have just been enough for him, I suspect, to have been treated with respect about it. Because yeah. he, if he was about money, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Absolutely. You know, he had a foot in the door in Hollywood. He was, he was a, he, he had a episode of Quantum Leap for crying out loud. He <laughs> look at his IMD thing. He, he think, if he wanted to pursue the money and what comes with it from Hollywood, he could have done so. You know, so to me, that's not his priority. But it it doesn't mean that it's not right. It should be offered to him. It should be. That should be the way that it works. Yeah. You know, you certainly can't can't make a John Wick character uh, in a video game without Keanu Reeves being involved in some way. I would think. Payday Two. But again, has a Keanu Reeves is an A-lister, and Ricky, either by fate or by choice, is not, and he knows that. But does that mean that he doesn't have the same rights? You know, is this character? any less memorable to people who've seen the film? Is it any less memorable than, uh, you know, than, than characters in other movies played by maybe more powerful or more prominent actors? No. I mean, yes, it is. So yeah, it's hard, you know, and then how do you fix that? Because that whole industry is controlled by the, the people that were kind of casting some shade on here. I mean, they, they, they control it, you know? So what could we do about it anyway? It's hard. Well, I think oh, it yeah. needs unpicking a little. And, and I think so too. The I other... add a little bit more to it. Um, yeah. It's not just his face, it's his voice as well. Cause my understanding yes. is the character speaks and they didn't approach Ricky to reprise his role, even in a voice capacity, which um, I would have loved to have seen. That's that. just silly. I mean, yeah. above and beyond what's right and wrong here. That's just, that's a that's a really serious because silly omission somebody I haven't heard, they, their loss yeah you know i haven't heard what he is, the new guy he is does. something else and i'm sure he's a great voice actor but surely you can get the original guy back and i'm sure ricky would have been up for that if he'd been asked because and here's the thing they paid whoever did voice him which would be the same wage that they'd pay ricky so why so, not ricky right yeah. Mm. yeah but then but again doing the devil's advocate thing here you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people that were involved in the production of that movie. I'm, and it's 30 years ago. Nobody keeps track of where those people are now. You know, they, they might have the, of the main stars, but that's it. So. But that's where AI, I think, has a, a really important role. And if they can use AI to track, you know, single C, single frames on channels, then I'm really pretty sure that they can start to use it in such a way that creators, whoever they may be. It's an AIPI. I get it. Just set the AI, it's just Lambda. Hey, track down, track down this guy who played. Exactly. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, that's extraordinary and also creepy. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so, you know, thought I'd share that one. Um, Good stuff. 
Next one, though, in terms of um, another legal story that I've got, uh, this one has to do with the FTC's updates to the Disclosures 101 for Social Media Influencers Guide. Uh, and the updates being proposed specifically deal with influence, influencers, including what they term as unsophisticated influencers used by brands to promote products by, for example, manipulating reviews, uh, non-disclosure of relationships such as sponsor sponsorships or by micro-tagging specific groups of consumers through platforms such as Twitch and YouTube. Their particular concern in, in terms of unsophisticated influencers is to do with minors and young people using platforms as influencers. And it's really interesting that one of the reference cases mentioned in relation to this is Machinima Inc.'s undeclared influencers. Do you remember that? 2015 FTC case where it was found that that uh, machinima.com, Machinima Inc. Um, had supported a campaign that generated something like 300 videos reaching 300 millions of um, million views, I think, in about a month in around 2013, all promoting Xbox One and a few games. Do you remember that? Um, now, these new guidelines will also highlight the role that platform owners have here, specifically in terms of how they deliver content to users. And we all know that the, the way these kind of algorithms work um, floats the most viewed content to the top of the web page, which means there's kind of this clear relationship between the platform, some brand and the influencer, say through ad revenue from views. And I think what this means is that viewing and streaming platforms are going to have to declare and notify audiences when content is paid for in some way. Um, for example, when the creator is being used by the platform to present material to audiences, which creators don't currently have any great control over. Um, what's interesting here and new, I think, is that uh, it will no longer be the sole responsibility of the creator to, to declare their relationship with a brand for whom they are receiving some form of sponsorship, say, um, but also uh, the platform and the brand relationship and how they are using the content creator, um, much of which I think is invisible at, at present. And I guess what might be a little challenging here is how influence changes over time as audiences build for content. And so at what point and how different algorithms treat content creators or influencers and promotes work will also be quite interesting to um, consider. I mean, we know, for example, how many views and subscribers we might need, um, but how are advertisers and platforms working in the background? I do think that mostly the FTC's perspective is targeting the front end processes, but I think the unintended consequences of what, what, what they're talking about here is going to be that the um, back end aspects are highlighted too. Um, so I imagine what we might um, begin to see at some point is um, maybe new labeling system over the con content on platforms, um, a certain viewing thresholds are reached where creators begin to make revenue from it. Um, uh, do we see that now? I'm not sure we do really, but um, presumably any brand that has a relationship with a platform is also somehow going to have to be explained to. And I'm guessing this refers to affiliate marketing um, where um, it, it's being used to generate revenue through content creators who are kind of unwittingly being used as promotional tools. I don't know, but it seems like it's going to be a bit of a minefield to navigate, um, never mind unsophisticated influencers. Um, and I think it really 
Phil, it brought to mind your um, video, your your company rules video that you made back in 2007. I think that kind of yeah, I mean, it uh, alludes to that. Evan Ryan probably, made that, right? Yes, exactly. Um, we'll put a link to that so you can have a little giggle at that as well. Um, now, according to the FTC, what constitutes a relationship? Well, it could be money, but it could also be swag or some kind of personal connection to the brand, such as um, a family membership. Um, it could also be um, endorsements, um, including, for example, through contest entries, um, which doesn't necessarily mean you win anything, but the fact that you are associated through having entered. Um, which is quite interesting, I think. Um, but I guess um, what could um, be good to note um, might be that organisations are going to find it increasingly difficult to blatantly exploit influencers without their knowledge and possibly without their consent. Although in, in case anyone has forgotten what happened in the case of Machinima Inc., ultimately um, what happened there was that the creators lost everything. Um, because the organization which had claimed full in, in perpetuity, beg your pardon, ownership of the content just simply closed the servers down once they could no longer sustain the commitment they had in the hidden relationships between the brand and the platforms versus the content um, uh, on its own. And if you want to know more about that story, uh, and particularly about the rise and fall of machinima.com, Ben and I uh, did a whole chapter on it in the... Um, in the book which we published last year. Guys, I don't know if you've had a chance to have a look at that story. I don't know whether you've got any thoughts about how that might impact from your perspectives. Be really interested to hear. Um, it's, a, it's obviously a, not a simple issue to talk about. I mean, if an influencer is, has been given a product to talk about, um, it's going to be pretty obvious they've been given this because otherwise they're not creating any, like if, um, uh, a couple of months ago, I talked to one of my news items was uh, a singer called Melinda, and she had this whole recording studio. And I, I talked about that because I thought it's good for Machinima and sound. A lot of her videos, she gets sponsored by um, HelloFresh. And so she has a little segment in the video talking about the food that she's been received. And she's doing a, she's got a video in her kitchen uh, preparing whatever it is that they've sent her. And of course, you have to show the product, otherwise, there's no point doing it. So you, as far as that goes, it, it's pretty obvious that this company has sent um, her something to talk about because um, it, it's getting their name out, but it's also, uh, she's obviously willing to do it and being paid for it. So that, that kind of stuff, that, I think that's fine because it works with both sides of it. Um, on the other hand, um, my YouTube channel, it's, I've got, I've gone over the threshold where I can enable ads. I have no control over the ads that, um, are shown I don't even know what ads are being shown mm. um, unless I go and watch one of my videos and see what comes up but it, and then of course I'm only seeing what's the ads that are available here I mean Phil if you watch one of our videos you'd see completely different ads to what I did because of all the whole region thing um, right. so I have no idea I've got no control over it I don't know what's being shown I hope it's sensible things but I have no idea there's no way for me to know and I guess if a lot of people watching the videos, you're going to get, if they did want to show me a list of every ad that's shown, that could be hundreds or thousands. Or for people who have millions of subscribers, that's going to be millions of videos 
a list of millions of ads that have been shown and so no one's going to want to read that so there's no real way to do it because it's just mm. not practical um but yeah i just have to hope that the videos the ads that are showing on my videos are um sensible and not horrible but i've got no nothing there's nothing i can do about it i think the uh it seems like that the, the main concern um, is not ads that are packaged as ads, you know, the ones that YouTube's algorithm tacks on to the beginning and sometimes in the middle of videos. Um, those aren't so much a concern because the, the way that those are packaged and delivered, it's, it's clear that it's an ad. Um, and I guess the, this whole article makes my head hurt the whole topic, not the article, but the, the topic, because it's like every time that I see a video, like the one that you were talking about Damon with your or a friend where they talk about hello fresh in the middle of the video, or, you know, there's always a paid promotion label that comes up on YouTube when that happens. And that meets the FTC, the current FTC, disclosure requirements for anyone that that's a that person is doing affiliate marketing you know they're, they're making their own content that's what draws the eyes in but where they're getting their money is is through that sponsored thing but it seems like that youtube already has when you when you submit a video you disclose that information or you're supposed to and if you don't then you're liable so I guess what I'm still trying to wrap my head around is what is it that that mechanism, what's slipping through the cracks that, that requires them to crack down? Is it that they're not enforcing the current regulations and now they're going to start enforcing them? Or is there some, I, Tracy, what you were kind of alluding to gives me this sense that there's, there's some kind of higher tier mm -hmm of relationships, undisclosed relationships and, and exchanging of stuff behind the scenes and stuff that's happening. And I, I guess it's just, that's a part of that world that it's just so foreign to me that I, I'm, I'm really struggling to, to envision a concrete example of that. You know, are, are we talking about the, I think know, Mr. I Mr. Beast or one of the big streamers and he's secretly getting paid by NVIDIA to just discreetly mention that his, his PC has an NVIDIA card in it, or I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard for me to, it, it sounds like that they're trying to, to get at something that's even beyond the, the examples that Damien and I have been talking about. Cause those are the things that we see and we know as YouTubers that they exist and there are mechanisms for them. So something somewhere must be slipping through the cracks, I guess. Um, and, I think, and they're, I think they're the issue is how it's how the content is coming to the top of the, um, of the pages. That's you know so so certain certain um, if we're if we're talking YouTubers, it, certain YouTubers are coming to the top. Um, certain others are not, uh, and therefore these... oh, and that maybe there's some kind of a motive there with yes. regard to what's yes. being promoted. Exactly. So that's that's my interpretation of it. ABC Video Card Company, because I certainly don't want to besmirch NVIDIA or anyone like that. Mm. So ABC mm. Video Card Company has some kind of endorsement deal with YouTuber Jon Snow, who knows yeah. nothing. And I, I think <clears> that's how it's going to unfold. And then YouTube, meanwhile, 
has some kind of relationship with ABC video card company. And somehow through that, it, the algorithms manipulated to push this to the front because when ABC makes money, YouTube makes money, those types of relationships. Okay. Yeah. So that would be something that, that me, you know, as, as just a YouTuber, I would never see that at all. You know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know it's happening and it could be, it could be happening to me, you know, if I were the YouTuber who is well, getting all a, this a lot positive algorithmic inten- attention, have, maybe have, it's not because my content's great. Maybe it's because somebody's I, on the dole. I don't noticed know. in the last few weeks that my Star Wars, I haven't released one for about two months, but suddenly there's been a huge spike of views on my Star Wars videos. And I'm assuming that's because of the Obi-Wan series, which has just finished. Oh, yeah. Um, um, so you, that, that's that's obviously not available on YouTube, but there's going to be lots of there's obviously the trailers, and then there's the reaction videos from each episode, and um, all, all that kind of stuff. And I assume it's just kind of a combination of that. But then this is making me wonder, well, maybe Disney have and YouTube have a relationship, mm-hmm. yeah, and they they want they want more Star Wars content visible at the moment. Uh, undoubtedly that is what is happening with um, the algorithms it's it's tricky yeah because because we you know we don't have evidence so to speak yeah it's 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 easy to veer into conspiracy theory territory but the thing is is that this conspiracy theory is very plausible Mm. knowing what we know Mm. about these companies and their dedication to that almighty dollar uh, yeah, I it's very assumed, possible. Yeah, I just assumed it's because Obi Wan making Star Wars very just a, right now. Yeah, it could be organic. It could yeah. be just everyone's excited about Star Wars again from having watched that, and so they're 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 searching for more YouTube or uh, more Star Wars stuff on YouTube, and you're the natural organic beneficiary of that. But yeah. it's very plausible that there could be another lever. Yeah, I, I weird. Am- I think the the point being unsophisticated influencers, <laughs> right? Not 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 that I wish to use that term necessarily, but I think in the context of what we're talking about, we're it, all that it, in these channels. Yeah, the phrase sounds terrible, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, so I I think that's something that we're going to have to watch again. Yeah. Another another thing to. Um, keep our eye on um, and just see how that unfolds and what the influence of that might actually be um, in terms of, um, you know, what kind of labeling and how, how, um, how your work is basically um, showcased through different channels. Well, um, I'll be keeping an eye on it as well, because there's three more Star Wars shows coming in the autumn. Excellent. So I'll see how that affects my videos as well. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, competition news then. Um, now, NVIDIA Omniverse Machinima competition closed on the 27th of June. And at the point that we're recording this episode, we've got no news on who the winners are. It's something we're obviously going to be looking forward to reviewing next month. However, I did want to highlight a really nice little promotional video they released um, with a with, um, due nod to the Top Gun Maverick film release um, called Top Goose. Um, really enjoyed that. Thanks very much, um, NVIDIA. Great fun. Did you guys have a look at that? The top I did. Nice. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um, I was going to enter the contest, and then I, I was kind of going through this phase of being very creatively exhausted, so I had no ideas of what to do. I did go and see the new Top Gun film, and I thought, 
well, one of the models they provide is some pilots. I thought maybe I can do a, a Top Gun pilot release video. And then I saw that. I thought, oh, no, I can't because I look like I'm just copying that one now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was, I don't mind because that video was so well done. I, I really enjoyed it. And it was that. hilarious too. Um, okay. And then in the meantime, Unreal opened and closed a competition in the last month as well, sponsored by Kitbash 3D and Sketchfab, um, giving us absolutely no time to cover it on the show beyond a few <laughs> tweets. Um, this one is focused on exploring your Unreal lighting skills and also included a student section. Um, and we did see a couple of our Machinima friends posting examples of their work, which we guess were being tested for entry. One being, um, I think, by Ben Tuttle called Amazing Comet, Comet um, which is actually pretty amazing. This, this kind of amazing Marvel-like concept piece, which we'll put a link to in the show notes as well. It's really well done. Um, I think this was something that, um, according to the comments on that video anyway, Ben first developed for last year's iClone lip sync contest. So it's interesting to see how some of the work is being adapted and developed also using links back. Um, um, I think it also links back to something that Damien um, and Ricky were saying um, about what happens with your work once you've made your film um, and what do you then do with it. So I think it's quite interesting that he's re rehashed it in some way if that's what he's done anyway the um, entries for the unreal uh, contest closed on the 26th of june and again we're really looking forward to seeing what the winners um, of that look like um, which we'll hopefully have for you an update on next month um, and then there was an interesting live launch event um, for the competition which includes tutorials with um, william voucher whose work we previously covered in the first season episode two of um, the podcast and for those of you that don't know William he's um, a CG generalist whose professional work includes Marvel's Black Panther among many other series um, and he's got an excellent uh, YouTube tutorial channel too which we'll put a link um, in the show notes uh, to for you and then I've got a bit of tech news um, uh, on top of that um, uh, tutorial from from William um, first of all, what I wanted to mention is that Unreal have posted a behind-the-scenes making of Matrix Awakens experience um, tutorial, uh, and it's also quite a reflective piece on how the original Matrix films became this um, metaverse environment with its um, current sort of game-like open sim. Um, there's a really interesting expose of how they created the characters too, um, which very much builds on the discussion that I had with John Gator in February for the podcast, which we'll put a link in the show notes to also. Um, now, building on the experience um, that clearly John developed on the Matrix Awakens experience itself, there's a new social virtual experience that's been launched called Living Cities, um, which is positioned as a metaverse mirror world. The founding team include um, Matt Meisnicks, I think I've pronounced that correctly, who led 6D AI, um, which was sold to Niantic recently, and a guy called Dennis Crowley, who co-founded Foursquare, as well as John. It's um, basically uh, using realistic simulations such as those we've seen on The Matrix Awakens, but adding in a social and creative community layer to it as well. And obviously, um, as this... Um, I think what we'll, we're going to be seeing is this kind of really interesting storytelling side to it. Um, but at the moment, the focus is really on creating this 
these kind of digital twins of city scale environments. So we'll see what happens in due course. It's, um, I think it's a project in development, which clearly has massive potential. Um, and alongside that, um, John has also recently joined the board of InWorld AI as its chief creative officer. InWorld AI creates um, NPCs, basically virtual humans for games, um, AI informed. So it seems his comments about working on characters that remember their lives in game environments is basically coming to fruition through that um, platform. Now, if you're interested in metaverse developments particularly, then you can do no worse than follow Pookie Amsterdam's blog where she's been spending some time talking about metiquette. Nice term she's coined to talk about etiquette in the metaverse. In the metaverse. Um, and um, she's also mentioned us too in, in that. Thanks for that, um, Pookie. Reillusion have also now formally launched Character Creator 4, and there's a nice little taster video on their YouTube channel along, alongside that. It also um, has released a demo of its new simpler character animation process in iClone 8, and we'll put links to both of those for you. Don't know if you guys have had a chance to experiment with either of those. Um, I know, I think you did um, some pre-launch stuff, didn't you, um, Damien? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been playing a lot of it uh, recently, working on uh, Earth the Empire, and um, I've got uh, two chapters I'm working on side by side because I've got everything I need for the one after. Uh, so I've kind of skipped ahead, but it's going to be great for crowd scenes. Um, chapter twenty is going to have it's in a city, so you can't just have a buildings; you need people there. So I created these very low. Uh, quality characters and I'm going to populate have them walking around with all these different alien characters and being able to just basically place the character and say walk over here and not really have to think about it too much because I can just click to the end of the street uh, and that, that's what I need them to do um, that's that's going to be great um, there's new the face animations uh, they've done I don't know all the technical words for it but they've done something to make the face more animated to um, they can be a lot more expressive. There's actually a content pack which I bought because it seemed like it'd be absolutely worth it with all these different types of uh, built-in character animations. So um, no, there's, there's various angry ones, there's various sad ones and happy ones and so on. So it's not just, you don't just have a character moving their mouth like I'm talking now. They're actually looking around, the eyes move left to right, the eyebrows twitch, and it's all done as part of the animation. So you just drop it in choose the, the one that suits the, the scene that you're working on for that character. Uh, and it, it's done instantly and it looks so good. I and mean, I left a scene running, rendering overnight with Omniverse and I watched it this morning and the characters feel almost alive because of the, um, I did the motion capture myself. So the bodies move realistically, but it's the face doesn't until I put these in and it just adds something extra, which is, I thought for the, the cost of the content pack is absolutely worth it for that. And you can still, of course, do all the manual animation if you want to. And I, I will, because there's going to be things in the content pack that I need that don't exist. Uh, there won't be things in the content pack that I need. They're not there. So I, I can still do that myself, but that was worth it. And um, actually doing that facial animation with the pack, it took me about 10 minutes to do one character in this scene, and then another 10 minutes to do the other character in the scene. And a lot of that was just looking at the animations and testing out each one because I'm not familiar enough 
with them yet to say oh, i need that one right there so you know i was experimenting a little bit um but it was it it looks so good and it i can't wait to share it because i'm, I'm excited for people to see how um these characters look and the other thing i noticed was there's more smoothing options within the curve editor which is now included with iCloud. it's not a separate plugin um so when you do motion capture there's a little bit of jitter to the um, movement and it could be completely random. It's, you can do absolutely perfect performance yourself, but the equipment may glitch somewhere and there's nothing you can do about it. You, and you find that um, you're walking along, but your character kind of jumps up and down a little bit because something happened to the sensors. Uh, now that the smoothing options are even better, so you can just do the smooth options, go, go through that with the curve editor, smooth out uh, very quickly. And so now the characters are just walking and moving around perfectly. Um, the way they should and uh, um, you know they get little random twitches and things like that which no matter how hard you try before that um, there's still little traces of that in places um, so I'm really pleased with those enhancements and uh, looking forward to seeing what other people do with them as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah I've been experimenting with both as well from a much more of a noob perspective as far as uh, iClone goes so I've been working through tutorials on, uh, I started them in iClone 7 the day that uh, 8 came out. I purchased the upgrade and and uh, got CC4 and a couple key plugins there. Um, one of them is called Headshot, uh, plugin for CC4. That basically uh, will allow you to submit a, a photo of a face and it will you know, start the process of the creation of the character based on that photo. And it does a very, if you, if you format the photo properly um, and, and angle it properly and light it properly, it does a very nice job. So one of the things I was experimenting with was um, I have some in progress or, you know, early in progress films that I'd been planning to do in movie storm. And I've now determined it's iClone period. So I thought for starters, what would happen if I got, if I engineered a nice close-up screenshot of the character that I'd spent so much time sculpting in Movie Storm and brought it over using um, Headshot to see what would happen. Um, and with, with doing that with Movie Storm, the results were so-so because frankly, the, the character models are, are so-so by today's standards and not any better than that. So... Uh, but what was really interesting is there was another project that I, I had always assumed I was going to be doing in some version of The Sims. Uh, and because of the, the large number of characters that were needed, I thought surely I would have to do it in The Sims for the sake of time. That's definitely going to be iClone now as well, because it is faster for me to create a character in CC4 than it is in The Sims, uh, which The Sims is pretty easy. Um, but I'm with all the sliders and everything, and I just there's still a look of The Sims that you can't escape when you're in The Sims. Mm -hmm. And with CC4, my goodness, you can go places that I've never seen any other character creator type of software be able to take you so relatively easily. So I took some screenshots of characters that I had designed in The Sims 4 
just headshots and brought those in and created uh, characters in CC4 just for the sake of getting used to the process and seeing what it would turn out like was very pleasantly surprised with that. Because obviously if you're going to use photos, uh, it either has to be people that you know and get permission from. This, this goes back to the topic we talked about at the top of the, the mm. show with uh, Ricky's likeness. You can't just go grab a photo of someone because if the likeness ends up being true enough, you know, you've wronged that person. So there's, for me, there's a couple sources that are interesting. One is using some other uh, 3D program or game um, to get your basic look. And then of course you edit it and tweak it in CC4. There's also, of course, all these, there's several different sources online for AI face generation mm. where they will create a completely unique face that's not anybody but it looks just like a person and you can narrow it down by skin tone and ethnicity and, and, you know, gender and all of that to, um, you know, get your starter photo. You bring that into headshot. It's a remarkable outcome. Mm -hmm. So um, now from what I've seen, these AI face sources, they've started to uh, figure out that they can monetize. So they want they want a, a subscription of some kind or or something. But to me, that's that's fair hmm. uh, if if they keep the pricing reasonable because it saves so much time and eliminates so much worry. You know, it, I don't have the chops to sculpt a face, uh, tabula rasa. I don't. I can't do that. You know, I need a good photograph or drawing or something to start with. And then with sliders, I can customize it and do some things. So um, for me, a source like that is indispensable. It's, it's that or hire an artist on staff, which I can't do. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, I've been very pleased with uh, what I'm not dealing with any of the same kind of issues that, that, uh, that Damien does for production of his show. Cause I'm just not there yet. Um, but I'm taking it a little bit at a time with both the programs and uh, I'm very pleased I have no, I have no quibbles at all with, uh, for me, it was a very worthwhile purchase. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I can say here with pretty much no reservation, anything that I produce in the future, I intend to produce with iClone 8 and CC4, period. No more video games for me. No more movie storm. This is it. Um, it's, it's got everything that I need. And I didn't. I, I wasn't sure what to expect with that, but uh, I felt that way about iClone Seven, even with all its warts and all. And iClone Eight has done nothing but transcend that. Like it is, in every imaginable way, it is better software, um, and is going to make production that much easier. So um, yeah. Other, anyway, I'm I'm other, I'm happy with it for sure. The other good thing about using um, iClone is obviously between each major version you have to buy the upgrades but then you've got all the incremental updates uh, are all free mm -hmm. um, I think there's a four year four or five year gap between seven and eight so That's even right. though it's a big payout you're going to be using that for at least four or five years uh, I'm assuming Real Illusion will continue the same I mean 
that gap has actually grown bigger because I believe it was every two years um, previously. Um, uh, it was, yeah. 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 So it's, it might seem like a lot of money, but that's money that you you don't have to spend it again for quite a long time. Mm. Yep, and I those agree. incremental updates are still huge. Like this, um, when I got started with S the Empire, I started using iClone 7. The characters are really cartoony. And um, just by having those free incremental updates, the characters grew more and more realistic as time went on. And I didn't have to pay anything extra for it. That was all part yep. of the software. And now you've got these advanced rendering options available through Omniverse, or if someone were so inclined, through Unreal Engine. Um, ben, who you mentioned, Ben Tuttle, Benjamin Tuttle, um, I'm pretty sure that his his current workflow is um, animation and iClone. I'm sure he probably uses CC4 to create his characters. That's a, a no-brainer to me, mm -hmm. um, especially with the SkinGen plugin and with Headshot. It's extraordinary. You can make very realistic looking characters. Mm -hmm. uh, he animates an iClone, but he really likes the Unreal Engine rendering environment. And so they will animate a character, but place them in a scene that was built in Unreal Engine. Um, and that's, that's going to be a, a workflow I'm going to be experimenting with as well. Well, Hopefully you might be interested will, uh... in this bit as well then, because Unreal yeah. have released an early access new mesh to metahuman feature to metahuman creator, which enables you to custom facial mesh and convert it into a fully rigged character ready to animate. Wow. Um, so that's, <laughs> sounds pretty amazing as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, if that wasn't simple enough to do, then Meta, um, formerly Facebook, has also developed um, a photo real avatar creation tool. Um, that uses an iPhone camera as a scanning mechanism rather hmm. than 100 or so cameras. I don't think it's ready to use yet, but it's another really interesting development, um, which, you know, I'll, I'll share the links um, so that you can kind of track how that one evolves too. Plus, if you're looking to um, stream facial and body motion capture um, using things like Facewear and Xsense, um, of multiple actors in, say, Unreal. Then there's a nice little tutorial by MoCats on YouTube, which will show you how to do it. Um, so that's all my tech news. Um, thanks for your input onto that, guys. Um, it's great to see that you're using some of these things already. Um, I've got a bit of project news, and I, I, I don't know what you guys um, think of Love, Death and Robots. And I'm not sure... Um, whether you would actually describe this as machinima, but it's certainly virtual and, and it's certainly real-time production. Um, have you seen the amazing volume three of the series directed by Alberto Mielgo? Um, yeah. have, have you seen that's it? The re that's, the, that's the one that's been fairly recently yeah. released, right? Yeah. No, I've, we, we've seen the first couple seasons or first two volumes, but I haven't watched the third yet. It's on my playlist for sure. Uh, but, uh, well, it's definitely on my playlist as well. I was absolutely blown away um, by an overview, overview that was um, released on YouTube um, about the Jibaro story, um, which shows you how that virtual content was captured and created. Um, I think it's, it's basically everything that we see um, indie creators do now, albeit there's a cost to it, of course. Um, 
perhaps with the exception of the render tools that they've used. And I think I think what amazes me about it is that it's basically the, the creative vision that's gone into the character developments. I mean, he's melded Asian and Western imagery with contemporary and medieval context. And he's also included different sorts of disabilities and super abilities. It's, it's, it's truly extraordinary. Um, it's definitely definitely one to watch. I mean, I've, I've watched bits of it on uh, on YouTube on that on the explainer there. Um, basically, um, which which shows you how the characters were inspired and created. Um, and there's a really nice little article also on um, eighty LV's website, which, which is basically a character dump. Um, also very interesting, and in how some of these characters have been um, created. Great great um, detail of them definitely worth looking at i think it's i think it's the you know it's the it's the it's the the things that have inspired the new characters that i just have never seen before they're, they are just absolutely amazing and then finally on on news um this month I, a couple of weeks ago i was contacted by a guy called jonathan nimmons he's a, a uk based creative writing graduate who completed his studies up at Liverpool actually in 2014 and has been trying to break into the film world ever since. Um, but sadly has kind of repeatedly failed. He says because he's um, been unable to secure an agent and he keeps sending unsolicited emails, which nobody ever responds to. Um, anyway, his solution hasn't been to, to give up or indeed to turn to machinima like Hugh Hancock did uh, back in the 1990s, but to try something a little bit different. He's launched instead a free online platform called Write Scene, um, where he aims to connect writers with industry professionals, including agents, managers, publishers, and producers. Uh, and uh, the platform has literally just been launched. Um, it's called, um, as I said, Write Scene, writescene.com, I think. Um, I'm not sure who the professionals are that are involved at the moment, uh, but no doubt we'll find out in, in due course. It's certainly a great idea. Um, I think it's potentially one to add to your production notes, depending on how you see yourself um, developing as a, as a creator. Um, I think, you know, maybe what you can use here is uh, machinima as previous, just like the professionals do. Um, although I think, um, you know, basically, I think what he's trying to do is connect you with distribution companies. So it's not... It's not a YouTube type thing that he's <laughs> producing here, but more of a, a professional um, industry set of connections that he's trying to, um, uh, you know, put you, put you in touch with. Um, is it, it distribution or is it production? It's, uh, I think it's every part of the pipeline. And he says if, it depending, depending on what kind of writer you are, what, whatever form of writing that you have, um, created or or want to create, he will put you in touch with the professionals who might be interested in it, including distributors. Right. So the primary thing then that a creator would be putting up there would be um, screenplays and the yes. like, yes. screenplays or something written content, and, and yes, with the but idea of someone that maybe has the resources or is inspired enough to or has the budget to want to talk about producing it or optioning it or something like that, I think is the right term. 
Exactly. That's, it's, it's intended to connect those people together. It's what a brilliant idea. Absolutely. And it's not just um, written content, for example. You can also put a video pitch up or audio clips or video clips or any kind of prototype. So Machinima would absolutely fit um, in with that. But I, I guess it just depends what your goals are with what you're doing. Um, okay, well, that's me done for this month. I'm sorry, that's a really long one again. Um, guys, I don't know if you've got anything else that you want to add on the news this month, or are we happy? Are you happy with where we're up to? Damien, you'll be able to edit this down to about 15 minutes. Is that right? Um... <laughs> <laughs> for the I'll algorithm, it man. It's for the perfect, algorithm. Perfect. I'll yeah. speed it up so you can't. It will sound like chipmunks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would like to say also that uh, Reillusion is not a sponsor of this show. Uh, Absolutely not yeah. behind. He's not the behind-the-scenes funder of the show, despite the uh, the praise that we just lavish on their products. Yeah. Uh, in a time when people are apparently cursing into their coffee about the, the the prices this was not a conspiracy we just happen to really like the products it's yeah. genuine genuine so we have anyway. no sponsors yeah other than ourselves of course <laughs> anyway that's it for this month's news episode um thanks for um watching us as ever um don't forget you can leave comments or get in touch with us on facebook youtube or any of our chat tools which you can find links to on our website machinima uh no completely machinima.com <laughs> yeah don't go to machinima.com you won't find us there no there's nothing there nothing at all um uh don't remember don't forget we've also got our um, discord server and a few folks are starting to follow us on that as well now um which is great to see um anyway um we'll look forward to seeing you um uh, for next week's episode um where we do our films discussion Bye for now. Bye-bye.